0: First off, I would like to say that I hate, hate Daylight Savings Time. (laughs) That's why we're at noon today, folks. You're probably wondering what the heck is going on with these guys. So since three out of four of us stayed in the same time as last week, we went ahead and moved it to noon so that it was 4 p.m. their time. So that's That's why we're...
1: We're in the hour. home of time here. Greenwich <laughs> exactly. Mean Time. This, this is where time was invented. We're time lords. They Should were we supposed the to do
0: away with this last year in the in the states, but yeah, it just se- never seemed to happen. So they're they're yeah. supposedly going to eliminate having to change the time. So, we'll see. Cool. But as with anything else here, nothing ever gets done without fighting. So, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so those of you tuning in live, tell us where you're tuning in from. Welcome, Tony Edwards, to the show this morning, this afternoon, wherever you are. Westway IT. I don't know how to take this one. He's. How do you rate a zero day day? So it, busy. Is, is that a UK <laughs> thing? <laughs>
2: No, I, th- I think that's a uh, there's a vulnerability just dropped today. So everyone suddenly got s- stuff to do, getting uh, Office updated and stuff like that really quickly.
0: <laughs> Yay. Oh, love. That's why you guys will always, always have jobs. There will never <laughs> be a shortage of IT folks. So anyway, we got the band back together this week to talk about scaling your MSP. This was an idea that Pete kicked around of specifically around service, but I think we can kind of take that in a number of different directions for how to scale your MSP. Um, But I think, too, maybe we start with this. Do you need to scale your MSP? I was thinking about that as we kind of are thinking about that. Let me hear your guys' take on whether or not you see that as being a pressing need, or do you think that there will always be a market for the nimble, agile MSPs?
3: The growing your MSP is the kind of thing that, I mean, everyone starts off with dreams of, I want to grow and become big and make a million pounds or bucks or, you know, want to sell and be a millionaire. And that that's like the drive, I guess, a lot of people have when they start. But I don't know. I think it's one of those things that it depends which camp you're in. You either kind of start this as a very much a hobby, as a passion, as just a way of life, or you start it to like, I'm going to grow and sell and become like a millionaire at the end of it. Um, and I guess there's a bit of a halfway house between the two, but um, it, it's completely down to the individual. I guess is the is the answer. It just depends on what you want out of the the job and life and those kind of things. I think certainly for myself, I started thinking I can work for myself and I can have all the freedom in the world. I can take holidays. I can you know get up <laughs> when I want and do what I want when I want. And then suddenly, like clients start phoning you and staff start asking questions of you, and you kind of get dragged into this thing. And, um, so the, 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 the dream disappeared until the day that I sold when it all fixed itself magically.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and
3: straight
2: I, into the E-myth revisited, eh? So just straight away.
0: It was your post <laughs> this morning track. that got me thinking about that, Pete, is just, you know, kind of where, do you, what do you want out of life going forward? And I think a lot of us maybe have rethought that whole process over the last couple of years too, so.
1: There's pros and cons, isn't there, to, to all of it. I mean, if you choose to own a job as opposed to owning a business, there's nothing at all wrong with that. Um, but you give up the opportunity, don't you, to spread some of the the um, the loads there. So, you know, taking holidays, uh, taking sick leave, taking sabbaticals and that becomes much more difficult. Not impossible. You know, we've talked a lot on the show about strategic alliances buddying up with other companies and things like that. But basically, if you are the single point of failure within your business, there's a whole lot of pressure on your shoulders. And most of us get into this industry because we enjoy helping other people. Uh, And there's that old adage, isn't it? You've got to help yourself in order to help other people effectively. Well, if there's only you within the business or you're the single point of failure in a small business, how much can you help other people if you're taken off the uh, table if something happens or whatever so I'm not saying it's right or wrong but building a business certainly to a certain degree offers a degree of resiliency for you as an individual as the business owner for your clients and everything else as well but you know nothing against a lifestyle business Uh, what I'm doing at the moment when I sold the MSP business I was like great I'll start a little lifestyle business keep me busy and now there's 10 of us within the business and and that's just the way it goes and Pete it's probably the same for you isn't it
3: Yeah, very much so. I I think when I um, when I sold, like I said before, you kind of you start with all the grandiose visions and what it's going to be like, and then you suddenly start getting sucked into this this kind of business. And having been there before, and actually, you know, that was my first business, and having been there and done that, when I've done all the new stuff I'm doing now, it's very much a okay. This is the time I'm willing to give, and nothing outside of that time gives. So that's that. You know, that impacts my family life and all the other things I do in my my world. So, um, and I think. You can do that in your MSP. And I think that's that's I wouldn't call it easy, but I think it's definitely achievable in MSP. But because most people just give in. And I, I did it all the time. Like client wants something from you. Yeah, of course I can stay late or come in on the weekend or you know, whatever it can be to, to make them make them happy, keep them pleased. But it always just impacts your business. And it's the it's this kind of approach that I, I think there was a, a comment from uh, was it John? What, what's a holiday? It, it's exactly yeah. that approach that stops you having the holidays and the time off, and you know taking the afternoons off to spend it with your family or something. But it can be done. It's just you need to be very, very strict with your your times. Um, was it um, Parkinson's law? Work expands to fill the time that yeah. that's allocated, yeah. and that is yeah. very, very applicable. It, it is a thing, and I've noticed it very specifically when I'm kind of been uh, calendar blocking my time recently and. The le- the less time I give something, the, the the more I actually get get done because I'm so focused on okay I've only got an hour to do this or two hours so I'll just focus get it done and then I've got like the rest of the afternoon free. On previously something I would take a whole day to do the exact same things just because I'd be checking my email or social media or you know whatever it might be. Um, but I, yeah, it, it's it's a tough thing to do because you can't just walk into this thing, particularly if it's your first business you run, and be like hey I'm gonna have my Friday's off now. And then as soon as that client asks something, you're just like, actually, ah, yeah, I could come in on Friday afternoon to do that. That's, that's not a problem. And it just kind of goes from there. It's a very slippery slope. Speaking of which, Scott, how are your four holidays you booked in this year? Cause that is something that I would definitely recommend to John to book in those four holidays. Yeah
2: yeah i, I have uh, eight weeks of holiday already pre-booked um so as in like time away from work not necessarily like out of the country on holidays or anything mm-hmm. like that but we have them already booked in uh, and we're currently negotiating we have family all around the world which is quite lucky uh so i think like the next one that we're going to we're heading off to geneva which is really nice we've got family over there uh we were just there at christmas which is lovely but um yeah so end of term is coming up at the beginning of april so i have two weeks booked off they're they're already there they're already set aside it's all good. I just had the last half term off with the kids as well. Um, so yeah, th- those are oh, it's so game changing just to be able to book them in, in advance and realize, yeah, I have that time off. Um, but you know, I just think there's there's different ways to look at the the scalability side of things here, isn't it? You've you've, you've all mentioned like uh, if you're a one man band or if there's just a handful of you, it can be really difficult to to get that time. And uh, Pete, I was you know writing on your post earlier, like I. work. (laughs) I'm just gonna, uh, for the sake of the people listening on the podcast, that was in inverted quotes or uh, Joey quotes. Um, I work um, 930 to five, uh, Monday to Friday most you know that's that's it um but four days out of that five i will also take uh, lunch over at the gym um so that's me out from like eleven fifty through to one fifteen for four of those five days as well um obviously we have time for live events and sessions like this so the rest of the work kind of fits into those spaces and i've only been able to do that because i've consistently kept looking at what lands on my desk and what lands on our team's desk and what you know, just the usual things. Are we the right people to be doing that? Is there someone else who could do it that's better at it than me, or could do it faster than me? And it's the whole thing that comes down to delegation, outsourcing, and automation. You know, can we? Automate this thing so that no one has to deal with it. It just takes care of itself. Can we offload it to someone who's better serving it, than, you know, than us? Or is there someone internally who should do it? But it just isn't me. Um, and that kind of you know DAO approach is really helpful. Um, again, if you're a you know a one person band or you know or two people and there's not really many people to delegate to, then it's outsourcing or it's partnering or it's VAs that we've we've talked about consistently on this show. But you need to get it off your desk so that you aren't the bottleneck, okay? Because I think, again, you know, we all fall into that E-Myth Revisited trap. I wanna start a business, I've been in IT for years, I see how these management guys can do it and I can do it better. And oh, I see the money they're charging the clients and just imagine if all of that was coming into my business, great, but all of a sudden, you're not just the technical delivery expert, you're suddenly in sales and marketing and finance and legal and operations and service desk and service delivery, you occupy every single seat in a full MSP business, but it's just you, or it's just you and a mate. Um, There's two of you now taking up every single seat, and you can't do that and still give great support to your customers and do the stuff that you actually want to do. So you find your day just bogged down in paperwork and legals and finances. This week, I'm I'm currently chasing down how come we're suddenly listed as uh, not a trading company on Companies House now if i didn't have yeah. <laughs> if i didn't have all the other breathing room that would just be one more problem but actually that's me sort i've been able to throw some energy at and get to the bottom of really quickly someone someone ticked the wrong box somewhere but no yeah, that's that's what it is <laughs> but you know those are the things that you have to have margin for i always think about margins you have to have space for the unexpected stuff to come along as well as the stuff that you're really passionate about but if you are like i've said on this show before that that person that i see on linkedin that is hey it's four in the morning just getting up for a six hour drive down to essex to install some wi-fi routers hey it's the weekend just catching up on my paperwork oh monday at 9 p.m just doing the billing run that's not sustainable you you can't do that and and you will just burn out you need space and and i think um the the key ways that we always look at this is you know standardize those operations automate wherever possible outsource to the best possible people that can do it for you and that will really help and if you've got that standardization approach actually outsourcing or delegating is super easy because you've written down how it needs to be done what your expectations are and what you need out of people that can then be handed off to someone you go do that um and if you have got a small team we've we've only got um five people in our team um, I would say, you know, one of them's in marketing, one of them's me, uh, and then three people who actually know what they're doing. Um, but then we have this amazing network of partners that are you know people who do the service desk stuff for us people who do our financing stuff for us people who take care of legal issues for us we have all these partners that are just taking things off our plate and then we have amazing tools like you know ThriveCart and zapier and all this kind of stuff that is all automated together as well as wonderful tools like zementum for our sales quoting and processing and all that kind of stuff and then we've triggered automations through there as well so we send a quote out to someone and they like it and they docu sign it It moves across to one in Zementum. That triggers it to go and land in our Halo project system. It also triggers it to set up a draft invoice in Zero. If we need to, we can trigger out sending out direct debit mandates to people. It's just a whole list of jobs that need to do, but it doesn't need to be a person. When we sign up a new client, here's the contract. Here's the general terms and conditions. Here's our partner link, if you like, for 365 stuff. Here's our direct debit link. It all gets automated through so that... None of those steps get missed, but also it's not just a manual thing of me scrabbling around trying to catch things up. I'm going to shut up for a minute because as I do, I get on my soapbox. I'm like, "These, these things are very doable. And I only know that because our business is three years old. Right. And when we think about scaling the business, what we actually did this year was we did the same amount of revenue as last year, but we've increased profitability we've delivered more projects and we have the same amount of people in the business. Now, you might think, great, what I actually wanted was to do like another 100 or 200K more. Yeah, I would have liked that. But actually what we did was took a lot of our time and effort to go and automate and standardize the things that we do. So we do them slicker, faster and better and spend more time in the community with partners, and that's building up a pipeline for what we're gonna do next year. But as I look right now, just because it's nearly the end of March, it's nearly the end of our financial year, and I can see same revenue top line, much bigger margin than last year. And that's really powerful. That's just proof of what we've been doing this year in terms of investing in the systems and the processes.
3: Scott, can I ask you a question about um projects? So obviously sure. you're primarily delivering projects within your business and then obviously you've got the help desk team that look after the day-to-day stuff. Um, how do you approach booking in projects? Because one of the common things that I run into with lots of my clients and loads of people I speak to is they just say yes to everything. They'll book it in like, you know as soon as clients accept it, yep, we can start tomorrow. Like how do you... What's your approach to not taking on board everything and just saying yes to everything and just trying to deliver it all at, all at once? Yeah, that's fair. So we
2: always tell our clients that we have a two-week lead time before we can be hands-on with any particular project. Um, now, some people might worry about that and think, oh my gosh, two weeks, you can tell them it's, it's two weeks away. But we we outsource for a lot of the larger IT companies, and their typical lead time is 12 to 16 weeks. So when we can come along and say, hey, actually we can we can be hands-on keys doing things in two weeks. We can have a prep call before then or a discovery workshop before then over Teams, but actually hands-on implementing that's two weeks away. Now, if we can do better, we will, but we'll always set that expectation that it's, it's two weeks away. Yeah. And when we, you know, win that project, great! You know, first get back in touch with them. We're super excited. Thanks for choosing us. We're delighted to be doing this project with you. Um, we're now going to get into the scheduling phase, and we're going to book people in. What are your expectations around timescales? We, you know, we'll be able to start in about two weeks. But let's get some dates in the diary and start blocking things out. And it's just that back and forth conversation of setting the right expectation up front. Hey, there is a lead time. It's not ridiculous, but there is a lead time. And then once you've signed the contract, we will then schedule you in. And we've been consistently able to hit that sort of two week lead time because most of what we do is pre-packaged pieces of work. And so it's very clear, this is the piece of work, this is how long it takes, this is when we're able to schedule it in. And again, that whole transparency throughout the process just makes it easier to book things in. And I guess you're right in that we're not saying yes to everything, we will say no to things that just fall out of our skill set, or we recommend them to a partner who are then going to go and take on that work?
3: What stops you though? Saying like, I guess, it, it, assuming the work's coming through, what stops you going? Oh, I could just do that my evening, and then it's more money for the business, and we can grow quicker and faster. And like, where does yeah, oh, we, what stops that we decision? Just, we, we just say no. <laughs> so
2: we're very we're very protective of of the time of of the people in the business, you know, and, and our team. Um, and as I've, I've I've said before, you know, it's it's our team first then it's the customers because if we look after people in that order we look after the team who look after the customers then the money will come after that Mm -hmm. the minute we start putting money first we we say to our team the money's more important than you it's more important than your personal time your family time your development time the money's more important and and so suddenly we care about money and we don't care about the team well that's that's not our Culture—that's not our heart. That's certainly not my heart for the business. And that's not how any of us work. And so, we always think team first, customers, cash. The cash will follow if we get the other two right. Um, and so, there may be times where you know we've got a great relationship with a client and they're they're in a fix and we do want to do them a favor. And so we'll you know we'll maybe Ben say, "Look, yeah, all right, I don't mind." But that's at the discretion of. The person who's going to do the work—that's not me—as some kind of boss saying, "Oh, this client's really important, and so you're going to come in at the weekend." That's that's up to the team. Everyone's empowered to make their own decisions as to if they want to say, "Hey, you know, they, they've asked for this, and I want to do it." But if they come along and say, "Hey, they've asked for this, and I'm going to say no," well, you, you've got my back as well. You don't need to. No one's asking me permission around these things. Everyone's empowered to make those choices. Um, but you know, I, I would say the guys are great. (laughs) You know, they, they look after the clients. And if we have to say no to a client, generally they'll understand. Um, And everything else is, is booked in well in advance, but yeah, money's not the the main driver. Maybe that's why revenues are the same as last year. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's, let's touch on that point because I think that, that especially post COVID as we go into it, I think it's important for MSPs to really rethink the value of putting those constraints on your business. Uh, and I know Richard's probably got some, some huge insights on this, um, but I think it's time we step forward as an industry and f- not to feel like we're alone in doing this. Uh, what are your thoughts, Richard?
1: The, there's an old adage, isn't there? And it's the reverse of Parkinson's law that Pete mentioned there, and that is the work will expand to fit the time that's available, but the work will never, ever be done. You will never, ever finish your MSP. This is not like a computer game where you get to the end and you get... All it does, it keeps levelling up and levelling up. Now, on one hand, that can be like really overwhelming. On the other hand, that's exciting because it means you've always got new stuff to learn. But I think the only way we can move through this with our sanity and our health and everything else is by... It's a thread of something we've talked about. Everybody in the room has talked about already, and that's artificial constraints. So Scott's talking about, hey, we don't work for the, just for the money. We don't do out of hours. We don't do those sort of things. You know, Pete and Andrew talked about only days of the week they work. I've I've worked a four day week for almost twelve years now. In that time, I've only ever had one complaint from um, a noted idiot, um, and everybody else has been like. Totally understand it. In fact, it's been the opposite. People have actually said, Hey, I really want to get to the stage where you're at, but it's an artificial constraint. And I saw some people talking about what's holidays and things of that nature. I know how difficult it is, but if you just keep working and working and working, you will burn out, or worse, you'll get to a stage where you just don't enjoy doing it anymore. And I think that is worse where you're going through the motions. If you put artificial constraints, Similar to Scott, you know, I'm in awe of what you've done there, Scott, where you've said, four holidays this year, uh, we've got them all booked in, and that's it, they're booked in, they're sacrosanct, and we're doing it. I think if more of us in the industry, you know, didn't wear this badge of honour saying, I'm working myself to the bone, if we actually put artificial constraints in place and said, we're only going to be available during these hours... Of course there's emergencies, there's discretions, uh, discretionary work and things of that nature. But if everything is always an emergency and if we're constantly letting clients dictate to us when the work is done, we're gonna be the ones that burn out. And you know what? The clients will just move on to somebody else. They won't go, oh, this is the end of the world. You know, everybody, and I'm not saying that clients are heartless, you know, cabs or whatever, but everybody's worried about what's important to them. And so I think a sign of a good professional business is boundaries and saying, you know, we work these hours uh, and uh, this is what we charge. And actually, if you want the work done outside that, no, we don't do that. Uh, And so those artificial constraints, I think is super, super important. I'll make one point just as I finish there about artificial constraints. I said I've worked a four day week for many, many years now. And some people go, oh, you know, that's um, awesome. I want to get to that stage. My, um, experience of this is very much what Pete said. I get loads more done in four days than I did in five or seven. You know, I get the work done. If you get really good at it though, beware because the intensity of the work goes up. And so I find myself actually burnt, not burnt out, that's the wrong word, really tired on a Friday when I've been overdoing it with the intensity. When it comes down to it, there's uh, uh, the scientific research shows we only really work four hours productive hours in any day and yet most of us have got an eight hour uh, office hours haven't we um food for thought there but be beware when you put those constraints in you've got to got to got to look after your own energy as well. Now I'll get off my soapbox and join you there,
2: Scott. <laughs> no, it's cool. I, I just want to tag in because, you know, I see, I see John's comment as well about, you know, what's a holiday. And this, this is the whole thing for me, you know, just, just to set context, I've worked in the, you know, 200 million pound MSPs, whatever it is. I've done the days, nights and weekends. I've been on call 24 hours a day. I've had teams that are on call 24 hours a day. I've traveled up and down the country doing hundreds of thousands of miles a year. I've done all that. And so when I set out my own business, I was absolutely certain to just say, I'm not I'm not going to do that. This is going to be a business that works for me. And I'll be honest, got it wrong. You know, straight away, you start saying yes to everything and you want to be super friendly and you want to be helpful and you want to be that guy. But, you know, we, the, the vision was always, we're going to be really good and niche and... and great at these things and for anything else we're going to partner so you know we don't typically work out of hours if we're doing a migration yeah of course you know there are things that need to be done out of hours but we're not working every night every weekend it's only when there's a migration project that that sort of thing happens with the team we can only do that because we've got partnerships and outsourcing agreements in place with the people who are best placed to do it break fix in and out of hours you know that's that's not something that's our gift. It's not our passion. It's not what we're great at. And so we've chosen to go, let's outsource it. We can still make a margin. We still have a good revenue. The clients are still getting an amazing service. And I'll, I'll be honest to say, it's a far better service than we would give if we were running service desk and break fix in and out of hours, they they just do it better than we do. We still make a margin. Could we make more margin if we did it internally? Sure, yeah, okay. Could we scale with it? Well, it's hard, you know, running a service desk and running the ticket system and having first line engineers that rotate over and over because they've come in, cut their teeth and now they've been off to, you know, 10,000 more by, you know, a place up the road. That's all hard to manage. I don't want to deal with any of that. And I don't have to because we've, we've got those partnerships. So, you know, for, for guys like John and I chatted to a couple of guys this week who are in, in similar positions, just going, look, I'm trying to, plan for the business and how it's gonna grow and what I wanna do with it and what I want to be known for and great at, but I've just gotta nip out and fix this QNAP NAS problem that a customer's got and it's an hour away and I've got to go and do that, find some files, sort it out and then have a good chat with them, have a coffee and come back. But that's that's probably the rest of my day gone. And so you're just like it's such a, a place to be where you you can't keep going like that. You have to get these decisions in place to say, right, let me standardize the operations. Let's outsource or partner or whatever it is that gives you back the breathing room that means, do you know what, I am having a weekend off. Do you know what, I am going to take a holiday because I know that the whole thing's not going to fall apart without me. And if you're in that world where you know the clients have got you on speed dial and it's you personally, that's a world you need to get out of. It feels great to be that person that they're dependent upon that doesn't feel great when you're trying to have your holiday and put your feet up and the phone just keeps going because you're the person they depend on. It's that dual-edged sword, isn't it? So when we think about scaling, I always think about, especially as the owner, operator, player manager role, get things off your plate, get things out of your head, get them written down and give them to someone else so that you can spend your time doing what is truly valuable. Grow the business, look after your mental health, look after yourself, and then figure out what's our plan for the rest of the year because if you're in that situation where you can't take a holiday i'm pretty sure you haven't got a plan for what the business is doing for the rest of the year you're reacting to what's coming in you're not planning for what you want to do and how you're going to make this into your you know million pound business or whatever it is
0: let's talk about that i think that there's a couple subsets of i think 98 percent of the the folks listening to this show or watching it live are that sub $1 million in revenue. And yeah. I think you know, the data's already been done on that. So I think we've talked about the ability to you know, have a lifestyle business and that that's okay to have. And, but yeah. again, there's a, there's a way of setting that up to maximize your ability, to maximize your scalability and, and not having to do everything yourself. So what would your recommendations be to somebody? I think the two, first two benchmarks are 250 and then 500. I think that there's some challenges that go on in that realm um, that are that possibly a little bit different when you go from 500 to a million. So let's talk to the, specifically to those folks who may be doing half a million or less. We've talked about some of it. What other things would you add to... Uh, those just specific advice to those folks that are doing half million less. Uh, that that's just where they want to stay. And, and I think, yeah. I think that there's a sweet spot personally, looking back on it, having, you know, 10 years out of the MSP game, looking back on it. I look at what we were able to do, what I was able to do from 250 to 500. And I probably should have stayed there personally. Yeah. Like it, there was, it's like you said, if the profit is there, Scott like I would have stayed there because you take on so much extra staff and so much extra overhead going from 500 to a million and you've been there Pete where sometimes you have to second you second guess whether or not it's worth it it's, you know whether or not it's actually worth it to go from 500 to a million based cuz you're you know, you could be looking at less profit, more headaches. So what would your advice be to somebody who's doing let's take that first chunk those who are doing half a million or less? We've talked about systemization, outsourcing, getting an admin. Is there any other advice that you would give to uh, those folks who are in that category?
2: I think also building that team culture. So, you, you know, in that space, you've probably got two or three people in the business. And a lot of times, you know, those questions will just keep coming back to you as the, the main person. You know, is it okay to do this? Can I do this? You know, do you think we should do this? You've got to be empowering people to make those decisions for themselves. Now, if they're super junior, you know, very, very green techs, okay, I can understand. But, you know, it's very good to have a discretional uh, either, either it's a fund or a limit, or it's an amount of money that we can just say, "Hey, you know, we can do this, and it'll it'll fix a problem." But you have to build the right culture. One of the the biggest things I learned from previous organizations is that having a blame culture does not help anybody. It stops people from trying. It stops people from you know even you know pretending to know and try and help a client, or even give it a Google and see if they can figure it out, or a Bing. I'm not not that bothered about search engines, but um they just won't try because what will happen is they might give it a go and then they're going to get their butt handed to them because they got it wrong or they made a mistake and they know that the shouting down from the top just isn't worth the effort to try if you have the opposite scenario which is look try your best we're all going to make mistakes but i tell you what if you do make a mistake we're right here with you and we'll figure it out together okay that's the environment that you want to foster because in that environment people will go over and above they'll try hard they'll use their discretion they'll use their own intelligence to say hey i think we can come up with a way to fix this problem or i think we can find a way to help this client or you know hey the hard drives failed uh, do i need to get sign off for a new hard drive because we need to send it out to this client well that's just an obvious thing it just needs to happen it doesn't need you as the owner to sign it off so you have these real small scale Trust delegation and, and authority issues when you're in a smaller team. of just going. You don't need to ask me. Just do. You're a smart person. You have discretion. Here are the boundaries. You know, set some boundaries if you need to. Like if you're trying to spend ten thousand dollars, you should definitely give me a call. But, but here are the sort of limits that we're working with. Feel free to use your own intelligence to help the client, because that will just foster this tr- you know this situation of trust in your team great service for your clients, but also it's less questions that you get asked that are stuck in your mailbox waiting for you as the bottleneck. And wherever you can take yourself out as the bottleneck, the business will continue to run and you'll get more breathing room back. And that's why I always look at build a good team culture, outsource the nitty gritty, automate the the silly stuff that you don't need to touch. And you know what it is. Like I know I've still got an automation problem that I need to fix. Just, I keep looking at it going, i need to fix that because it takes me two hours to do every it's once a month but it's this whole situation the pain of of change has to be bigger than the pain that you're experiencing every month and i keep writing it off going ah it's only two hours a month it's fine i'll fix it next month and the next month comes and I'm like i just so i haven't fixed this thing yet right so i know i know these things are landing on your desk you're a 250k msp these things are constantly just filling up your mailbox help yourself yeah, because otherwise, you just won't get the breathing room, enable your team, automate wherever possible, and just start ticking off things. It might take you a few hours the first time, but get it off your plate. Give it to someone else, automate it, outsource it. Don't keep trying to do it yourself. It's an investment of time, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And I only know this because look, we're three years old. So I've just been through this exact journey, right? And. We had the the day the other week, um, I've, got, I've got two good examples for you. with the day the other week where Microsoft went and issued a patch for Defender and, and broke everything. Um, and then we had another day where they decided to knock off you know teams and Outlook and exchange services in the UK and the EU for a little bit. I didn't get a single phone call, not one, because we have a service center who's able to sort out all of those things. I'm not in that escalation chain. No client phones me and says, hey, I can't get into Teams today and your guys are are supposed to be fixing it, but it's been four hours. No one's phoning me because we've set up everything so that that just works in the background. I sat at a conference next to someone that I was chatting to this week and I'm sat there listening for the whole day, just watching it. The guy next to me is on his phone, like every two seconds, just putting out fires or helping clients or answering queries. I'm like, I haven't looked at my phone once yet. I might do it at lunchtime. And it's the difference between whether, and I'm I'm not saying I've got all the answers, please don't think that I'm just going, oh, look at me in my high tower, I've got it all sorted. No, (laughs) I definitely haven't. But I would say that I'm on a good path to just knowing that I can step out of the business for a day, two days, I could take a week off, I could book eight weeks of holiday this year, and the business won't fall apart without me because I've got really clever people, we've got great systems in place, we've got good processes, and we've got fantastic partners that we've outsourced to, and if that sounds like something that you want, then th- this is exactly the, the path that I'm
0: talking about. Yeah, that that's perfect. Uh, you know, it, because if you have a broken culture at half million, honestly, it's probably not going to get any better once you hit a million. It's I mean, going to really. get tougher. Yeah.
2: yeah, it really is. And um, um, you know, th- those are things that we had to learn early: was say no to things. Right, because it, in in your two fifty days, you say yes to anything. Oh, can you get a new Wi Fi access point up on the roof? You know what? I've got a ladder. Yeah, all right, why not? I've <laughs> Never done that <laughs> before, but, but hey, why not? That. Yeah, you're not best place to do that, and it's not a good use of your time. But you'll say yes, and you'll be like, "How much do you want to do that? Fifty, a hundred? I, I, I don't know. You know, it's 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 a ladder and a couple of screws huh? But it's not, it's like the time it takes, the hours it takes, the driving, the faffing around, then you're chatting to people on site. It's not a good use of your time. Um, yeah. And it's not something that you do. Like there's there's probably a cabling company that you can partner with who will do it better, faster, cheaper, and you'll have the sanity that it was done really well. What you don't want is that phone call two weeks later. Yeah, That access point's fallen off the ceiling. Can you come back in? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The seller tag has mm-hmm. perished. Yeah. 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 The, the Velcro didn't hold, but you say yes to so many things in those early days that you shouldn't do. And you know, you shouldn't do, but you, you want the money and you want to be helpful.
0: Yeah. I think Ryan uh, makes that exact point for just squeezing everything out of the, uh, uh, the tools that you have. And I know I was guilty of that. Okay. Connect wise. I'm only using 10% of it. You know what I mean? It's just, but you never make the time to go, fully utilize the tool that you're paying for. Um, and I think it's I, easier to mean, do yeah. that, easier to get ahead of that when you're below half a million, you know, yeah. because if you, you put those systems and processes in place, then it becomes easier to scale if you decide I want to go from half a million to a million. I and, would and say and that, you know
2: what else you should do at that size is just because this is one of Pete's favorites is you should already be tracking your profitability per client because it's easier to get into that mindset early on, right? And once you've started doing it early on, you will scale it with every single client, but understand how much do they cost? How much time do they take? And how much are we making in terms of profit from them? Because again, right the early days, you'll be saying yes to a lot of things. Your stack might not be nailed down. Your service definitions might not be nailed down. And you're doing so much for those first clients and you know you didn't charge them the full rate because they were your first client and you were just trying to win the first deal and you did them a special deal. And actually, you know, 12 months later, you've got people who are paying far more and these guys are costing you money in comparison. I put a guess that. So, about um, if when you say yes to something, you say
1: no to something else, mm. that that mm. might be another deal or it might be your family time it might be your sanity your mental health your physical health when you say yes to everything and i couldn't agree more with you know scott Pete, andrew everything that we're we're saying here today you've got to first of all you've got to measure the profitability because i can tell you for a fact that i could create a million pound business tomorrow by getting 20 pound notes and selling them for 10 pounds and i would be inundated with customers but it wouldn't be a profitable business. You've got to track the profitability. It's not all about, it's that old saying, isn't it? About um, revenue is, uh, is vanity, profit is sanity. I know that's a cliched thing, but it's absolutely important. But keep it in mind that if you only focus on the things that you're really good at, you're gonna deliver them well, you're gonna enjoy it, you're gonna be efficient at doing it. When you say yes to everything else, as we often do in the early days, that's when the trouble comes along. And I'm going to put my hands up here and say I didn't take my own advice over the past couple of weeks. A few of you might have seen me speak on stage and, and do webinars and things like that. I talk about the situation to do with data cabling. I said never, ever let the electrician do data cabling because it ends in tears. <laughs> you get a phone call, don't you, a couple of weeks later. Network's going really slow and you look and one of the pairs is not working or whatever it might be. I had the electrician here last week. I was like, oh, just run another cable up to the loft area for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole studio garage here and everything else went offline. Why? Because I got an electrician to do some. So I phoned a local MSP, and I'm like, can you come and help me out here? I could do that work myself, but it's not the best use of my time. And that's what it all boils down to. So there, now that I'm publicly shamed with my public admission that I didn't follow my own (laughs) advice, I'm going to throw it back to these guys. Those sparkies.
0: Those darn sparkies.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I would say though is going back to what Andrew said is that yeah, I, I think I, I agree. I think there is that sweet spot of the two hundred and fifty to five hundred or something where it, it feels like that it's manageable and there's you haven't got too many staff or clients and there's enough going on to keep you busy. But I maybe it's the the circles that we hang around in and you know, the, the networking we do. But I, I don't think I've met anybody that's in that a- area or even you know below that. That doesn't want to grow because everyone, you know, they've not experienced right. it. They want to grow and see what it's going to happen, and um, maybe it's different. Or you know, they they want to hit the one million because that was you know very much in my brain of like, ah, oh, I want to hit that magic. You know, you want to tick the box and do the million, and then like then I can figure out what to do. So I don't think that whilst whilst it you know f- for us it's easier having essentially been there and done that a lot of the time <laughs> to retrospectively say that's you know that was the sweet spot. But well, I think everyone else would just ignore that because you just want to find your own experience and figure out what it's going to be like for yourself. And, and admittedly, if I had have stopped where I was, you know, the, the company wouldn't have grown to where it was and we wouldn't have sold it. I wouldn't be probably doing what I'm doing today. So, you know, that there's, there's certainly benefits that do come from growing it. And obviously valuations get get higher, the bigger the company goes, like that whole thing does scale. So I think that, I guess going back to the topic of like, planning for growth and scaling and those kind of things, Everything I thought about within my MSP, certainly in those early days, was that you know w- whether I'm going to grow or not, I'm going to plan to grow and scale. So everything I do, the software we use, we want to make sure that it's going to be good enough so it can grow without us having to like RMM tools, PSA tools, all those things. I don't want to have to rip it out and then replace it a few months later because we've grown and added you know another thousand devices and the RMM can't can't cope or anything like that. Um, right? Yeah, just I, I just find that an interesting conundrum because you because you find the um, like, people and like employees that work in companies, I, I, we certainly had staff that they were just comfort, comfortable where they were. You know, they turn up at nine, they go at half five and they're like, they do a job. And there was a guy at a company I used to work at. All he did was printers. And I, I know a lot of people that, you know, if, if they were just doing printers all day, every day for like five plus years, they would just go crazy. It's just a horrible, horrible thing to do. But he was happy and comfortable doing that. And obviously, you get very good at doing what you're doing but I don't see that with MSP owners. I think the MSP owners, I guess it's a different breed of people that are just going, going out there, taking the risks and just trying stuff and trying to grow in those kind of things. Uh, but yeah, that was just a random a random kind of thought. But um, yeah, well, whilst the intentions are good, I think everyone's just going to ignore that comment of, don't grow, you don't need <laughs> to grow Ah, through that. We're going to hey, grow and well. see what happens.
1: It's like If you've got teenage children though, if you say to them, well, you don't want to drink too much, you don't want to smoke and I, I made those mistakes and they're going to go, yeah, and then they go and drink and smoke and make all the mistakes themselves. I think it's human nature, isn't it, to do that? So I think part, mm-hmm. part of the challenge is I was having this, a conversation with somebody this week and we were talking about how 20 years ago in the managed services uh, space, 15, 20 years ago, there wasn't nearly as much information. And so you could sort of be forgiven to a degree. Uh, for not you know for sort of stumbling your way through and finding your way uh, through that fast forward to today though we are inundated with you know carl palachuk's got like 20 books on the subject i've written half a dozen books and pete you've got your uh, youtube channel and andrew you've got linkedin courses and scott i only saw you on a video today and there's so much information out there like there's nothing you can't know about managed services and yet people are still making the same mistakes that they always have. So I think it's human nature, Pete, for people, you know, th- it's not a shortage of information anymore. It really isn't.
0: Yeah, and I, and I and think I, the, the caution for me towards MSPs was, you know, exactly what you, what you just said, Pete, is I did it because I enjoyed the challenge. Can I do it? Yeah, can I actually reach it? But it was for me. And it, it wasn't until I pulled my ego out, am I doing this to prove it to other people? And I think that's the dangerous part in the MSP space because it's very much ego driven. Uh, and that's still perpetrated. But yeah, I'm, I don't want to take anybody's dream away. Yeah. You want to do that. You want to challenge yourself, go right ahead. Like, uh, but yeah, take, you know, take everything with a grain of salt here. I, we all learned a lot from the mistakes we made. Um, I wasn't necessarily a tech from at heart. Like that wasn't, I liked tech, but I, I liked the business part of it more, so I think that there's a certain subset of folks who, like you said, Pete, would just be content doing a small subset. Whether it's two hundred and fifty half million dollars, it's manageable. I can check out and go camping with my family on Friday. Don't let anybody tell you that that's wrong. And I think that's what I hate in the industry is people saying, "Hey." you're not a legitimate business or, you know, and it, cause it's, again, it's that ego thing. Um, I did a podcast with Jennifer tribe at synchro uh, last month and that's, we talked all about that. It, that's the part that I hate in this industry. Um, you know, if you want to run a lifestyle businesses in MSP, don't let any, don't let it the four of us tell you not to do that oh, yeah. and yeah. or anyone else. Um, and that's but I where these
3: people who are um, running a lifestyle business probably aren't going to be watching a webinar on how to grow your business. They've probably got better things to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're probably right. fishing today. So yeah, but I think it's that. That's what I want. I the part that I hate to see is those people that are driving themselves unnecessarily to try to reach a goal that they're not motivated to reach, but they're doing it because exactly. that's what everybody else is doing. And then I and see those point. people in the tri- you know in the tribe. I coach people. There's people that have reached way past burnout time and that's what disheartens me is I see it every single week, two or three four people are like, I'm out. Like, I just, I just can't do this anymore or worse. They're not here. And, and I, we're still seeing that, you know, and that's the part where I think, you know, asking yourself, do I really need to scale this business or not and do it for you? Um, Anyway, I get, like I could I could rail oh, on all day on that. It just it breaks my heart more. to see it.
1: The point that uh, Westway IT uh, made today, they said information overload. There's too much information. I understand totally where uh, they're coming from with that comment there because you've got us four yakking at you. You've got there's so many so much information there. Where do you start? But <laughs> information overload. It's all about filtering. Cause I don't know of anybody in history, even in the old days, who walked into a library and they've gone and their head has exploded because they've got millions of books around them. Like it's about filtering, isn't it? And and I think if I was to say there was one lesson to come out of to, you know, what we've talked about today, it would be again about intention intentionality. Are you being intentional about what information you consume? Or are you just reacting to what's thrown in front of you? Are you being intentional about which books you read, about which podcasts you listen to? Or are you just listening to anything that's dropping in front of you? There is way too much information for anybody to assimilate and indeed use. Uh, And one of my old mentors taught me that thing, and we've mentioned it a few times on the show. Vision without execution is hallucination. So you can go to all the conferences, you can listen to all the podcasts, you can read all of the books, you can read my blog and Pete's YouTube channel and everything else. If you don't take action on the information that you bring in, it's absolutely pointless. It's, it's just a load of good ideas. So I think intentionality, Andrew, for me, would be like the the buzz, the watchword here, make sure that you're taking action and, and make sure you're filtering the information that's coming in to what's relevant for you, not just try and be the master of everything.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: I think, um, there's one other point I'd like to make. I realize we're, we're getting late into the, the show today, but, um, you know, this is all really doable, you know, for, for those guys who are thinking, "Oh, I've just got so much to do. I've, I've got too many customers and too many projects and I just don't have the time for this. It is doable. Okay. You can take the step back. You can get to a situation where you have the time, because again, if we think about scaling your business, the best salesperson is you as as the the owner manager of that business yeah because you know what the clients need you know how to help them you build those relationships and you genuinely want to help but what you can't be drawn into is that kind of day to day operational overhead running cables and patching servers and all that kind of stuff you have to be able to separate yourself from those type of activities and you know if you can do that and a load of the things that we've talked about today if you can pull yourself away from those make space you have more time to network, to chat, to do the stuff that you're passionate about, which is actually helping businesses make best use of technology. I'm assuming anyway, but that's, you know, that's the thing that you, you set out to do. You've got to get all this other stuff off your plate one way or the other, through some of the techniques that we've already talked about. But just to give you an insight into uh, an MSP that I heard of, that's doing it a million times better than I did, uh, or I'm doing rather, is they have three people in their business, just three. Not one of them has any idea about technology, not one. They, they are all salesy people, account manager people, service delivery manager people, people who care about the client and what the client needs from technology. And for everything else, they have a partner that delivers it. They don't do anything themselves. And so they've set up their systems and their processes and their partners so that they are all integrated together and they simply do, I say simply, they do the account management and they look after the customer. What does the customer need? And now I've also heard that whenever you want to chat to one of these three people, if they're not on the golf course, they're on a yacht somewhere, because that's a 2 million revenue business. And they're not delivering anything. So when you look at it and go, "I can't take a holiday," or "I've got to go and install this NAS," there is a different world, and it's very achievable. Um, and again, just listening to some of the steps that we've outlined for you here will help. Uh, but I don't, I don't want to ever see anyone that you know has been in that situation, Andrew, that you mentioned, where they just go, "I can't deal with this anymore. I can't cope with it. I just there's, there's only one way out for me." And I think that's so sad if we see anyone in our industry that reaches that stage, because there's so many different ways to deal with this. Um, and it's such a great community that we can all help each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. and I, I, you, you actually touched on a point we could do a whole show on. Uh, you think about all the companies out there who are in business, but don't actually manufacture a product. Apple's a good yeah. example. They're a design company. They don't manufacture anything, Airbnb. Like I have thought about that over the last couple of years, all the tools that are available. How would I run a MSP differently than I did 20 years ago? Uh, So I I like the idea of that, like that has enamored me there. I don't want to do tech support either, but I like tech enough where the business impact, helping people actually make use of those tools the stuff they're spending money on that's the stuff i enjoy doing um but again i think that there's a certain subset of folks who just want to do that work they just want to go in and implement it and
2: but then you would partner up for all the stuff that you don't want to do like the sales stuff or the account management partner for that and again it's about you doing the stuff that you're most passionate about If, if you're The best person to talk about strategy and advice and get in the boardroom and chat them about how they best spend their cash and use technology to drive their business forward. Great. You do that and get someone else to do the running the cables or whatever. If you love running the cables, cool, get someone else who can help you do the bits that you're not hot at. And either way, you'll end up with a business that's really successful, but a fulfillment for yourself that you are doing the stuff that you love to do every day. And not getting bogged down by the stuff that you really don't want to be doing. Yeah, for sure. And if, and if you do uh,
1: deal with data cabling, could you could you give me a call because <laughs> I've got some cat sticks that's in a woeful state at the moment. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah, don't trust it to a Sparky, I guess. So. And, all right, I know we, we're running out of time here. What uh, we do have again another subset that is in that five hundred to a million range. Uh, that wants to get, like you said, Pete, I, if they want or in for the challenge themselves to hit that goal, uh, what things do you think that they're going to run into in that half million? Let's just assume that they've done everything we talked about today and they have those systems and process in place. Uh, they've got the SOPs built out and have a good culture with maybe two or three people at a half million. How do? They, what are your recommendations to get from half million to a million?
3: I guess for me it would be, and if if you've got the systems and process in place, I guess there, I mean there would still be development on that as you grow, because obviously things develop as you start growing, and expanding. Staffing is going to be a challenge, trying to find good, well, a good fit staff. If you're growing, I know um, that can be quite hit and miss, um, certainly in today's world. And really, certainly from I guess my own personal experience, but the branding and marketing you're doing, because that's that's going to set you apart from everyone else. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of other competitors out there doing the same thing that you're doing. The only thing that's going to really accelerate you and really make you stand out from the crowd is going to be how you market yourself. Uh, do you put yourself out there? You know, do you do a bit of everything? Do you network? Do you do some video? Do you blog? Do you all, uh, podcast and all the things that we've been talking about in previous shows? I think that's probably the, the biggest catalyst that I would say, um, you know, a, a lot of, People I speak to, they're just like, I just need to hire, hire a salesperson. They can go and hunt hunt the business for me and find me some business. But I always find that unless you've got a good kind of marketing strategy behind the scenes, then the salespeople aren't going to really do much. You know, the best thing they can do is, you know, do a dream list and start phoning up and cold calling and doing the marketing stuff almost like reaching out, networking and connecting with people on LinkedIn and, and getting involved through that way. But a good strategy, I would say, is to have the marketing campaigns, reach out push all the content out, put all your material out through all of the various different methods we've already spoken about. And then that can start to drum up the interest, start raising the brand, and then you can maybe hire that salesperson to go and start chasing down some leads. Or really, you you won't even necessarily need a salesperson at that stage, because if you're doing the marketing piece right, the, the inquiry is changed to inbound leads. So people call you when they're interested in signing up. So rather than hiring salespeople, you hire account managers instead. And those account managers will manage existing clients, and they can manage new inquiries as well. So I think that's probably my main takeaway, I guess, in trying to grow from the, the half million up is the, the marketing and brand brand awareness side of things.
0: Yeah. What do you, what do you think, Richard? Any, any advice to those folks?
1: Don't try and do it on your own really don't you know i think that's the bottom line for me be intentional about where you spend your time don't try and do it alone you know join peer groups join community groups for everybody it's funny we all four of us here speak to so many msps every week every month every year everybody thinks that their problems are unique i hate to break it to you they are not if you've coming across an issue somebody else has been there uh, done that or is still going through it at the moment and you can exchange battle tips with them. This is the value of going to conferences. This is the value of getting involved in communities, Tech Tribe, Comp Tier and others. This is the value in having a coach, a mentor, somebody like Andrew or somebody like Pete, hiring them to do work with you. Don't try and do it on your own because it's a it's lonely and it's a slog and you can accelerate your growth a lot faster when you do something that I don't do very often. Stay quiet and keep my ears open.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean you touched on that the you need to have a, a marketing engine, marketing and sales engine, if you're going to get that from that half million to a million. So we talked about utilizing the tools that you have access to. That's one of them. We talked about Tech Tribe. Look at all the resources you have. Uh, I mean, there's so many vendors now that are providing marketing and sales materials. Uh, and I think DPC Technology said exactly the point. It's about execution. I don't think the marketing materials the systems i mean for good grief tech tribe gives you a full crm platform yeah. for 49 i'm like yeah that just blows my mind so my advice if, if if you're at any stage and you do decide okay i do want to scale we've talked about stop listening to everything out there and just start executing the tools that are are there if you're part of tech tribe utilize all those things that are in the tech tribe build those systems and revenue engines so that you don't have to do that so that you don't have to think about how am I going to do this? It's a repeatable system. It's a repeatable engine. Uh, that way you're not taking stabs, throwing something against the wall this month and okay, that didn't work. And next month you're trying this, throw that against the wall once. And yeah, there's it's, it's a system and that consistency is the only way you're going to get from a half million to a million Or at any rate, grow at any rate, uh, and maintain your sanity. So, anyway, any other parting shots? I know we're past the hour now, and it's it's past 5 o'clock for you guys, so...
2: Um, Um, Last one, and and I'm conscious that Pete has to run, so last one from me. Um, If you're in that half million space and and you're going up from there, what I would say is you need to take a look at your current processes and service delivery because chances are you've fallen into some bad habits where, yeah, great, you're executing and you're doing things over and over again and you're doing them well, but they're all taking longer than they should or they're taking the wrong people. Um, Review your tickets that are coming into the service desk at least every two weeks What's coming in? Why is it coming in? How do we stop it coming in? Can you do proactive maintenance? Can you do preventative maintenance? Can you do automation to just take care of it? Um, I recently heard from uh, a team, I don't wanna name them because I don't know if it's um, you know confidential to them, but one of the biggest distractions for them in their service desk area was chasing up tickets that had already been completed by the engineer, and they just needed the client to say, yes. Yes, it's done, leave me alone. Um, they wrote a bank of 120 email templates uh, that were, hey, you know, we think we're doing this ticket. Do you mind if we close it? Uh, they wrote a bank of 120. They set up an automation that picks one of those 120 and emails the client and then books it in for a follow-up call, you know, just to see if it happened. They've reduced their service desk costs by 85,000 just by putting that process in place because it was just a waste of time. Their engineers are chasing around, trying to get people to say, yeah, the ticket's closed. It's it's not a good use of anyone's time. That's the sort of stuff that's happening at scale. And it's five minutes here and five minutes there, but because of the scale, it's costing you a lot. Okay, so getting that time back means, means that you don't have to hire the next service desk person when you win the next 50, 100, 500 seat client. That's how you're gonna scale efficiently. Like I already said earlier in the show, We might have done the same revenue as last year, but our profitability has increased because we've streamlined our operations. And that's how we're going to continue to scale more customers doesn't mean that we have to put more people in the team.
0: Boom. Thank you so much, man. We dropped some bonds today, so we'll leave it on that. Thanks guys. We could probably rail on for a while. I know on this one, but yeah, thank you for those of you who tuned in live. Uh, those of you who are watching this on the replay or listening to the podcast, thank you so much for your support. If you're on YouTube, you know how we roll, like, and subscribe, do that thing, uh, help us out, but we appreciate you tuning in live. We appreciate you the time and gems that you guys shared with us this week. Uh, absolutely phenomenal stuff. So Jason Carlson said, interesting, as an MSP owner, we spend so much time automating processes, which is helping to streamline the business. So, Good stuff. Excellent. Yeah. Boom. Alright, guys, we will see you hopefully same time, same place next week. Uh, be safe. And w- When does your time change, guys? Yeah, get this, uh, next
2: week? Next
0: this week? coming weekend or the week. following? One-off, apparently. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Okay. I'm on assignment next week, so is Robert Gibbons... Yeah, I
0: believe Robert has volunteered uh, to do that. George
1: Clooney of the MSP industry stepping in (laughs) uh, to do that. I'm going to be on the road. I'll be at ConnectWise IT Nation London uh, in London next week and then at Super Summit. Scott, I'll see you there.
2: You will. I'm there. Yeah, yeah.
1: Super Summit there. So if anybody is on the road as well down there, come and say hello to me.
0: Sweet. All right, guys. see you all next week. Be safe.
1: Take care.